Welcome back to Mishnah Yomi. Today we're continuing to learn Masech the Psalchim Perak Aleph, Mishnah Hey and Mishnah Vav. The Ode Omar of Yehuda, our Yehuda continues on to say, if you recall from yesterday, Yehuda was concerned that people might mistakenly eat chametz when they're not allowed. So he said, you can eat the f- up until the fourth hour, the fifth hour, it's a buffer zone, don't eat. And then the sixth hour is when you begin to burn. He continues to say, Shtei chalos shel in order to create some sort of sign so everyone knows when it's permitted, when it's not permitted, because people didn't have watches back then, they would take two disqualified loaves from the Toda offering. What? Why that? So the, the halacha is that when someone is uh, go, it, it goes through some sort of salvation, uh, they either are required or they pledge to bring a Toda offering. Part of the Toda offering, it's one of the few carbonos that actually has chametz brought with it, and they would bring loaves of bread. Now, here's the thing, because because an Erev Pesach, ready, once Pesach begins, you're not allowed to eat the bread, so it was forbidden to bring the Toda carbon uh, on the 14th, because what would that result in is you would not have enough time to eat the bread, and the bread would become, become disqualified. In fact, there is an opinion out there that even says that once the bread becomes disqualified, so then the offering itself, the, the, the meat part of it, the animal part of it, reverts to becoming a, shl- a regular old shlum and you didn't accomplish anything. So, in order to avoid this issue of the bread becoming chametz, excuse me, I mean the, the chametz becoming usr, prohibited, they just said one is not allowed to bring a toda on the 14th. If you have to bring a toda, either bring it on the 13th or wait till after Yom Tif. What that resulted in it was many people, therefore, would go and bring the, would bring all their todas, they'd run to the base of Midrash, make a mad dash on the 13th to fulfill their obligation of the toda. But, Part of the issue is that the Toda, you only have one night and one day to eat it. So that what ended up happening was on the 14th now, if everyone brought on the 13th, and so many people brought it, and there was, there was such a large amount of bread used in this Toda. The reason for that actually is, as I believe our first points out, because the, the Toda, uniquely, not only had meat, but had all this bread, because it forces one to invite others to eat with them. And that's the way in which we celebrate a salvation. We make a Sudas Mitzvah, and we invite lots of people so they can witness the salvation that took place, and they can praise God for the salvation. So therefore, there was a tremendous amount of bread required. But now that everyone is bringing the Toda on the 13th, because a deadline to bring the Toda, unless you don't want to wait until after Pesach was the 13th, there ended up being an excess amount of bread, which now becomes disqualified once the, the, 14th, the morning of the 14th hits. So now you have the 14th, Erev Pesach, there's a lot of these disqualified bread leaving around. What they would do is take two of these loaves, and they place it on the rows of benches on the Temple Mount, where it's clearly visible to everyone. As long as there were two loaves laying on display, everyone knew it's still permitted. It's still a time when it's permitted to eat chametz. Once they removed one loaf, then they would say, okay, now it's the fifth hour, and this is Rabbi Yehuda talking, so the fifth hour at the buffer zone, and then, and then, they wouldn't, they wouldn't eat, they wouldn't, they wouldn't burn. Not the same, once they remove both loaves, everyone knew, okay, now it's time that one can begin and commence burning the chametz. And everyone began to burn their bread. Megamil Omer comes along, Megamil gives a third opinion, right? We had, you could eat until the fifth hour, begin burning the sixth, or Behuda create a buffer zone for the fifth hour. And Megamil says, Ordinary non-sacred chametz can be eaten up until the fourth hour, like our Behuda. However, unlike Rabbi Yehuda, who says, therefore, in the fifth hour, it's a buffer zone, do nothing. Truma kol chametz, you can still eat your truma the entire fifth hour. And that's because truma, there is an actual prohibition, or perhaps an assay, that one's supposed to guard truma. You're not supposed to just burn and destroy truma, something we know from when we learn Zeroyim together. Therefore, because we want to avoid unnecessarily destroying truma, we give you an extra hour to consume it. The and everything begins to get burned at the beginning of the sixth hour. 
Okay, this concludes this first part of the parak. The next part of the parak actually is not relevant to Pesach, and in fact, it's one of the most complex areas in all of Shas. It's a famous sugya called Rechanina Skana Kohanim, and it's rather intricate. We're going to do it superficially, of course, because we, only, we don't have that much time, but hopefully we can walk away with some understanding of the intricate laws of Tuma and Tahar, which we'll get to in a few years when we get to Hilchus, we get to Seder Taharus. It's forbidden to cause truma or kachim. It's truma as we things that are designated as the tithes, and kachim, things that are from the sacrifi- sacrificial items, such as uh, carbonos, one's not allowed to make them tummy. You're not allowed to make them impure. The question there, however, becomes is, in the world of Tumah and Tahara, there are various levels of Tumah that range from being extremely, Tumah, extremely contaminated, that anything it touches it contaminates, to a lower level that it doesn't contaminate everything, it only contaminates some things. Uh, a, the most impure thing one can have is a dead body, and that will make everything impure. However, as as the chain begins, whatever makes it impure goes down one level. So, whereas the aviavosa tuma makes everything an avatuma, as in the, the dead body will make everything below it just an avatuma. That's level. That can only that will make next thing a rishonal tuma, a shenal tuma, shlishal tuma, and then revealed tuma. Meaning to say, a dead, if a dead body touches a person, that person now is contaminated, and anything they, and anything they touch, in fact, becomes tume, But they don't make what's called tumas ol. As in, they're not going to contaminate. If you're, if and someone who can touch a dead body now goes under the roof of another person, they don't make what's in that room or the person impure. Whereas a dead body in a room, as those who are Kohanim know, will make anything under that roof to be impure. So now an avatoma is a person. Again, this is very superficial, but I, you just, so you can get the gist of it. The avatoma, let's say the person to touch a dead body, they can make all food, any other person, a rishalatoma, and all food and drink, and all kalim. Then you have the rishalatoma, that's now it's worth three removed. They can make only food and drink tume, uh, but not they don't make people tume. Someone is a regional tuma, and then someone that's a, a, a regional tuma that, that now um, they can only make kuch, uh, truma and kachim, which means that ordinary food chulin is not going to become tume if it touches a regional tuma. And obviously, there are some things like a dead body starts out being a viavosa tuma, but there are other things and and uh, emissions from the body that may not that will just be an avatuma. I know there's a lot there, but the point being as follows that. Once my truma, let's say, becomes a rishon latuma, is there a problem with making that, making it now a shen latuma, making it a lower level tuma? Because we can say, okay, now it's tummy, so what? Who cares if it becomes even more tummy? It's already disqualified. That's really just the mishnah for those who are unfamiliar. So at least that's what we'll walk away with. It says our mishnah as follows: Mechanina skanak oanim omer miameim shalkohanim lo nimnul milsrov as a basish nitba bevlada tuma in basish nitba beavatuma that. When they once again, what happens to sacrificial meat? The carbonos wants to become tame, so the only recourse is to burn them. Now, when you burn them, can you just make make one big fire and burn everything that became tame, or do we have to divide up the things that are in avatuma, the heightened level of tuma that gets burned in its own uh, its own furnace, and the things that are lower level get burnt in their own in, in their respective furnace because we don't want even even once it's disqualified, we don't want it to, to make it a, high, a higher level of tuma, or do we say no? Once it's tame, we don't really care. So it comes along with Chanina Skanakohanim and says that if you have something that's a Vlada Tuma, it's called a, um, it's called a, you have something that that's a Shlishi Latuma. Shlishi Tuma, that's very unique. It's only when you have either Trumo or Kachim. So it's, we're talking about a very low level Tuma. They didn't mind burning it with a Rishon Latuma, which is, again, it's, it's still two times removed from a dead body. But if you think about it, well, if you use English, a third degree Tuma, they didn't mind burning with a first degree Tuma. I, the first degree Tuma is going to make now the, this third degree tuma, second degree tuma, right? It always goes down one, but they didn't mind. And why did they mind? Because 
because even though you're adding on tumma to it, right, you're bringing it now from a third degree to a second degree, they didn't mind because once it's tummy, it's, it's, it's disqualified, it's disqualified. However, just note, once we get into the world of second, third, fourth degree tumma, that's all we're working now in the Dirabanan realm. Hosiv Rikiva of Omer, Rikiva actually goes further and says, Mimim Shalit Kohanim, Lo Nimim Lilhadlik as Hashemish Nisso Betzvul Yom, Bener Shnitim Betzmei to the Tomei Mace. He actually takes it a whole step further and says that if you take uh, oil, which is became caught with a full yom, this is someone who immersed that day, but still has to, but still is not able to eat, is still not able to eat, um, eat anything, or is not totally pure until sundown. They didn't mind take, taking that again. It's a very low level tumma. It's a third degree, and touching it to and, and burning it with something that's actually a first degree tumma, which is now the arisa. And the case here is actually the one case, the one scenario where we don't downgrade the tumma when it when when, when we when it gets contaminated, meaning to say a, a dead body downgrades the whatever touches to a, a, a avatomo, which downgrades to a first degree, to a second degree, to a third degree, to a fourth degree. However, a piece of metal which touches a dead body, that stays at the same level as a first, as, as an aviavosatoma, almost like it becomes a dead body. As the Pasuk says, Cherev Chachalo, a sword is like the actual dead body. A fascinating din, which we don't have time to discuss. Rekiva basically says, a blanket rule, once something is disqualified because of Tuma, we don't care what the grade is, we don't mind, therefore, making it and adding on Tuma, because once it's disqualified, it is therefore disqualified, and that is the end of this Mishnah. So again, I know there's a lot there, but if we're going to walk away with this as, as it follows. Once something becomes Tume, impure, are we allowed to then go ahead and make it more impure because we're again we're supposed to watch a truma and kachim not make them impure. Rabbi Hanina says we could do it to some degree as long as we're in the world of Durabanan. Rabbi Kiva says no, even in the realm of Duraraisa, we don't mind doing so. I wish you all a wonderful day.